Welcome to the Feel Good Lab podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Bresch. Join me as we bring together the brightest minds in health and wellness, covering topics from sleep and nutrition to exercise and mindfulness. Our goal is to give you actionable advice to optimize your health and ultimately to feel good. Let's kick it off. So welcome everybody to another episode of the Feel Good Lab podcast. Got a couple of special guests here today, and Dad, I'm going to let you do the introduction for Dr. P. But um, yeah, I'm joined today by my father, Gene Gresh. He's our chief pharmacist here at the Feel Good Lab. And Dr. P is one of my favorite people to learn from because you bring a really unique perspective, you know, the traditional medical model, but from a completely new way to think about it. And I really appreciate the way you look outside of the box. And today's topic is going to be really diving into functional medicine. But Dad, I'd love it if you went ahead and, and introduced Dr. P and, and your experience working together. Thank you, Ryan. So, yeah, I met Dr. P, oh boy, is it, when I was just an intern at my father's pharmacy, Dr. Palermo was a practicing osteopathic physician in Manchester, Connecticut. And so I remember filling prescriptions uh, ordered by Dr. Palermo many, many, many years ago. 40 years ago. Now you're saying how old I am. I'm not sure that's so great, but go ahead. <laughs> um, but then I had another opportunity to get reintroduced to Dr. Per- or actually personally introduced, and I don't remember exactly when that was, but I remember specifically that Dr. Palermo came into our pharmacy because he had heard something that piqued his interest and he wanted to investigate firsthand and he actually visited our pharmacy and we sat down and had an amazing conversation and realized that we had very similar outlooks um, and I think values and so that probably was 20 years ago 20 years ago and from that day Dr. Palermo and I have had this special bond and and friendship that I I value uh, greatly he I believe was the first osteopathic uh, physician to practice in Connecticut um, all those years ago. And he has been in general practice for over 40 years. 45 years 45 now. 45 years. And wow. yeah. And, you know, as Ryan said, he is a, one of the things that we love about Dr. P is he's a lifelong learner. He is just like I am, so interested to look at the most accurate um, current science and apply that to a clinical uh, situation with patients um, to optimize the outcomes. And, you know, there aren't enough Dr. P's in the world um, that really would take the time to do the research, to be open-minded to learning, um, he cares about patients almost more than any practitioner that I know. Um, he practices in a way that, um, that puts, puts the patient first, and he meets patients where they're at. And there, there are just so many accolades that I could share about Dr. P that um, you know, I can't even put into words right now. Thank you. I mean, I'm like a helium balloon right now. I think my head has just really exploded <laughs> from that. And I appreciate all that. I mean, it's 
Well, the, the interesting part is that in collaboration, we've learned to trust each other, and even if we agree to disagree. And at that point, when I was with Gene uh, back down in Newington, uh, I was new into the area and understanding that I wasn't helping my patients enough, that they weren't getting better, especially those with chronic disease. And Gene helped me introduce to the principles of functional medicine, which have been expanded ever since then. And, you know, and functional medicine to me is like, I don't know those of you who are out there remember Marcus Welby, MD. However, it is like the old-fashioned doctor because today's doctors are more concentrated on the acute process. And certainly conventional medicine today is still the way to go. I mean, there's no place better in the world to be. However, we haven't been trained in the chronic medicine and what it means. And as an osteopathic physician, even though I was taught mind, body, mind, body, spirit, we don't practice that per se. We sort of got lost. And that's what functional medicine is. Functional medicine is mind, body, spirit, putting it all together. And then we'll get into the fact that it's really trying to find the root cause. And Gene is an expert in the, in the things and root causes. And today, the world knows that it is chronic inflammation, chronic oxidative stress, and immune compromise in some way. Certainly this present pandemic has shown how important it is to have immune enhancement, reduce inflammation, and reduce oxidative stress. So I appreciate the, uh, the comments. And I, and I will give one back since we're doing that. I've never been with a person who is more of a scientist and a researcher. And I even brought my little cheat sheets here to say, well, what is it that Gene does that's different than a lot of pharmacists, let alone compounding pharmacists? And really everything is science-based. And that's the point. We don't work out of these other things. We worked out it's integrative, underlying cause of disease, and we engage the physician, the pharmacist, and others in the process with the patient. It really is a trilogy most of the time, and it's patient-centered care. It's care that's individualized because everyone has their own unique being, and that is in their being with mind, body, spirit. And Gene believes in that wholeheartedly. So that's why the collaboration has worked so well. And he accepts my jokes as we go on. <laughs> well, one of the things, you know, for us at the Feel Good Lab, obviously it's really important to focus on chronic pain. And, you know, a lot of what we've done here was started in your pharmacy practice, Dad, in functional medicine. But one thing that I've seen, and I'd love to kick it to you guys to maybe hear a couple of stories. I know these are anecdotal. It'll be individual patients. But one of the challenges, so I usually start off, you know, I say it's an investor pitch. The, the problem is so severe. There's 100 million people in chronic pain. That's not the scariest part. Two-thirds of them believe that they'll never, ever live another day without pain for the rest of their lives. And I think the reason is, is when we look at what you guys just talked about, conventional medicine and masking symptoms versus functional medicine and addressing the root cause, to me, it becomes obvious that the current solutions are not addressing the root cause when it comes to pain, specifically chronic pain therapies. But how do we give people hope? Those 66 million people in the United States that don't think that anything will ever work, you know, let's start there. Are there any experiences that you have with patients that felt that way that you've been able to overcome? And I know this isn't easy. It's not like we have a magic bullet, right, to just give them, but I'd love to spend a little time on that. Well, I'd be glad to answer that. So the answer is absolutely yes. 
And the number one key to that is to listen to your patient. You know, in today's world, when you go to a doctor's office in general, they're on their EMR, they're doing the other stuff, and they really aren't looking at the patient. They're not feeling what's going on with the patient. They're not listening to the whole story. And the other thing is that many physicians today are pretty myopic. Because of how we're trained, we only look at one area, whether then are we looking at the mind, the body, and the spirit. And so how we give them hope is to listen to them, number one, have an understanding with them, number two, and let them know that in our experiences, not only is there hope, there is definitely resolution and in many cases cures. And in conventional medicine, it's also limited to the medicinal aspect in general, where in functional medicine, we look at almost every modality that we can use in order to assist the patient as we're looking at the inflammation, the oxidative stress, and the immune. We'll look at the allergic profiles that they have. We'll look at the hormone profiles that we'll have. We'll look at the organic, the genetic, and that's the difference because, you know something? Humans are pretty complex. And if you came in to me and asked me to figure you out, I would say, oh my God, because Rye, you are very complex. However, we would start with the first rung of the ladder and work our way up. So stories, absolutely. And the other, I'll give you one, and one of the more interesting ones, things to think about too, is it's not just one thing that we'll use. So I may use low-dose notrexone for one patient with multiple sclerosis, but they also have tremendous muscular involvement and neuromuscular involvement. So I might say simple things that you used to do like warm water and Epsom salt soaks, feel-good cream. We'll use different things, turmeric, fish oil, in the proper amounts. And after we've looked at the profiles, we might have them be on a specific tr nutritional guideline. And we might do hormones that a female who are in, in her 60s is definitely a postmenopausal, yet she has very little progesterone, as, just as examples. Rheumatoid arthritis is a great example. We know it's an autoimmune dysfunction. We know that there are th different things you can do. And mind, body, spirit, one of the things with people with rheumatoid arthritis, they need to let go of their anger, their frustrations, their resentment. So we'll look at that, and we look at do they live under high power tension lines? Do we look at EMFs? It's really pretty neat. Uh, but, Gene, you've had some really great uh, examples, too. Yes. You know, it, it's interesting because I, I had a mentor that taught me more about pain physiology than I ever learned in school and opened up my mind. You know, when we were in school, we were taught pain was pain, and we had these tools. And depending on the severity of the pain is the dependent on what you would use as a tool to treat. And the most severe pains, you'd go to the opioids. And it was as simple as that. Well, I found out that pain isn't pain, that there are multiple types of pain, and most types of pain are actually resistant or semi-resistant to the opioids. So here, that's our, our big tool that we're going to use to treat chronic pain. And in many circumstances, it isn't the right tool. It's not the appropriate <clears throat> medicine, depending on the type of pain that's being experienced. And so learning about these types of pain, I started looking at the physiology, the biochemistry that's involved in each of the types of pain, and then learning that there are different strategies depending on the type of pain to use in different patients. And that opened up a whole new world for me. We as a compounding pharmacy were able to formulate many of these 
medicines into transdermal vehicles, allowing them to go through the skin right to the site we want them to go. And so all of this was a complete 180 from what I was taught. And yet when we started looking at the results we were getting with patients, it was unbelievable. And that led to what was eventually the creation of the natural pain cream. Um, looking at these different mechanisms and what could we find in nature, in, in natural medicine, in nutrient medicine, that would cover the multiple mechanisms involved in the various types of pain. So one story that comes to mind is I had a, a patient come to me who had an 11-year history of chronic pain. Um, 13 years prior, she had an accident where a horse stepped on her foot. And two years later, it was re-aggravated um, in a fall. And from that day forward, she could not walk without experiencing um, pain. Um, so she had come to us having gone through a lot of channels. She had been to doctors. She was pretty well educated. Um, but she came to see us and um, with this 11-year history. Now, one of the things that I know about pain, especially chronic pain, and what differentiates that from acute pain is I believe chronic pain is being driven by inflammation, oxidative stress. Um, and that is the difference. And when, so when we look at um, if that is true, if we lower the inflammatory burden in the body, that is going to assist us in helping the other modalities work better. So at the time, I had been doing what's known as a food inflammation test. And this is a test that, that actually measures um, our response, each individual's response, to over 132 food and food additives, as you know. Um, and I had seen tremendous improvement in patient symptoms when we identify foods that they're consuming that are contributing to their inflammatory burden. There wasn't a patient at the time that didn't come back with some foods that we would consider healthy or beneficial to the body, but in their particular body, it was contributing to inflammation. So we did this test with this patient. We also, so we identified foods that were contributing to inflammation and she eliminated them. We also, as you're, to your point, we put her on a pretty high quality fish oil in adequate amounts and we put her on a curcumin product for as a natural anti-inflammatory and she went home with a topical uh, natural pain cream from Feel Good Lab. Well in short order this patient called me and said her pain was gone completely and she said and can I also can I retail that Feel Good cream? Really? That was her, one of the first things she said. <laughs> so she, the combination of things that we were able to do allowed her exactly. to break that chronic pain cycle. Now this was probably about 10 years ago and she's still pain free today and she's not on any medicine and she occasionally uses a topical product. And I know this because she just recently sent her son to me to be evaluated for an entirely different product uh, process. But, you know, again, the fact that she was in chronic pain for 11 years, she didn't have hope when she came that she would ever walk a day without pain. And yet today she's completely pain free. Now that's one of a number of patients that I have that have resolved pain issues by lowering that inflammatory burden and kind of 
you know, making other changes. And, and sometimes they involve other processes or therapies that we have. Um, but I can tell you that I really do believe one of the founding principles of chronic pain is out of control inflammation and oxidative Absolutely. Stress. You know, the right to your point too about how do you give them hope. Well, that's in your thought process too, isn't it? What we, what we think will usually create. Totally so believe that. So if we're thinking something and it's never going to get better, how do you change that? Well, the other thing functional medicine practitioners do is they give them different modalities to help that thought process change. Uh, out there in the world, um, many of your listeners will know the emotional freedom technique, a tapping technique that's really wonderful to help. Another one is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing or reprogramming. Because again, what you think, I have a saying, thinking is stinking and feeling is healing. So how do we help them that? So in my practice, in, con in conjunction with what Jean just said, I give them different things to do. Prayer, meditation, mindfulness, all of those things are really important factors because when you're under less stress, there's less inflammation. Your body has an inherent way of reducing its own inflammation. So there's your mind, there's your body, and there's your spirit. The other important thing to really know about healing and chronic pain is that they're not having enough joy and fun in their life. There's not a balance. Now you say, well, how do you have that when you're in chronic pain? Well, you watch the Big Bang Theory. You go to a comedy shop. You do things that are joyful for you because sometimes the healing process is not about what you are doing is what you're not doing. And what you're not doing is having that fun, that joy, that balance in life. And even in the most difficult times, some of my Vietnam survivors that were in prison camps, how did they come out without PTSD and others did? Because they focused on the other stuff that was there, the beauty of the surroundings. They, were, they showed gratefulness in what they were receiving, even though it was really horrible. They came out without PTSD because they had a different mindfulness in the process. So that's what we want to give them too. When you have chronic pain, how do you change that? It's sort of like having to go to the bathroom. So I got to urinate and I'm in the car and I've got to go really badly. Well, if I change my thought process and stop thinking about it, I may be able to go another 100 miles with no problem at all. So. It's so true that we need to work in each area like that. And also permission from what you've learned. I'll give you another example of a woman who had interstitial cystitis, a chronic uh, bladder infection. And been to every doctor. And when she came to me, we simply talked about what she thought about going to the bathroom. And she was taught that she's a young woman, she couldn't leave the classroom to go pee, she couldn't stop the car to go pee, that she always had to hold it or else she'd be embarrassed. So my recommendation with her was that she go pee as many times in as many places as she needs to. And then she said that we needed to work on guilt because she felt guilty and ashamed. So then we worked on guilt and shame. Guess what happened six months later? No more interstitial cystitis, she didn't have guilt and shame anymore and her problem was resolved. Chronic pain, chronic urine, uh, bladder infection resolved by the thought process. And we did do other things with her too. We used uh, D-mannose and uv to help the bacteria not be attached to the bladder and to help some other stuff and balanced her pH. Another example of chronic pain that was resolved because of that thought process. So it is really, really exciting. 
And the other thing that's really interesting with a functional medicine physician is that we will use every modality. So the patient may come in with that arthritis. Are they doing acupressure? Are they doing acupuncture? For your listeners out there, they probably never heard that those that have real disc problems in their lumbar spine, and it's a discogenic problem, probably never heard of a neural belt, which helps relax muscles, or a TENS unit, transcutaneous nerve stimulator, or a DRX 9000 machine, which is a special computerized traction machine that works totally different to help and decompress what's going on. So we have some really exciting things that a functional medicine physician can offer. One of the things you hit on, and you kind of went into it, so we, we like to try to give people actionable advice, but we also understand, especially when we talk about functional medicine, everybody is unique. And so we need to be careful when saying one size fits all. Absolutely. But you both mentioned two you know, top of mind supplements in conjunction with, with our topicals that you've had great success with. Now, eventually we want to provide the highest quality supplements in conjunction with our current OTC topicals to help people recover from pain. We call it fighting pain with wellness, but we're not there yet. So until we get there, how do we recommend, you know, what can people do today? And I'd love it if you just talked about what dosages of curcumin do you typically recommend, maybe yes. with some caveats, and then fish oil as well. What should we look for? So on the fish oil, um, quality is everything. Um, the, there are, one of the things I learned, again, I didn't learn it in pharmacy school, but there's a big difference among brands and quality of nutritional supplements. And it, it's enormous. And that can be the difference between something helping a patient and something actually hurting a patient. And so quality of fish oil becomes very important. And there are some very good quality companies out there. Um, typically, if you can find a good quality fish oil um, with a combination of, of ingredients, the EPA, DHA, um, I like to get a patient up to three grams a day somebody who's in chronic pain, a minimum of three grams a day. Um, and again, quality is, is huge with regards to that. You know, with regards to fish oil in particular, I totally agree with, and, and I, that's where I say go to your local physician and talk with them. What, what brands do they like? There's many out there. I mean, there's quality, uh, I'm gonna mention a few, Metagenics, Life Extension, um, I use even higher amounts of fish oil. And the, the caveat here is if you're on blood thinners, you're not going to use these. You're going to talk with your physician because you probably would not go above one gram of EPA and DHA. Yet I use four or 5,000 milligrams on a regular basis. The more that we can do, and uh, the more we can do to reduce inflammation and also help other areas. Fish oil will help your lipids, they will help your brain, they will help your eyes, they will help your skin. It has many benefits and one of the biggest things in functional medicine or any part of medicine is do no harm. So that was the biggest caveat with fish oil and, and I use a lot of that because it has so many be benefits. In Europe, many of the practitioners and I, I know use fish oil for their ADD and for their depression because of the mechanisms of action. So I like that a lot. Anything that can reduce inflammation, magnesium. For your heart, coenzyme Q10 and magnesium combinations are invaluable. Again, you would talk with your physician. Coenzyme Q10 is an example. If you have cardiac dysrhythmias and stuff, I'm using, there are two forms, ubiquinone and ubiquinol. 
I am now using the more active form, which is ubiquinol, and at least 100 milligrams, and again, talk with your physician. Magnesium, I happen to use magnesium glycinate because it's calming, it's very active, and I take it at bedtime for a number of reasons. And here's what's interesting too, and I take anywhere from two to 400 milligrams. Again, what's the biggest downside that you could get from magnesium? And I have never had it even in 12 and 1600. Is like milk of magnesia, you might have some loose stools. Yet that doesn't happen very often with the magnesium glycinate that I happen to use. Some people use complexes, which is also very fine. What's important is also the testing that goes with each of these things. So when someone has said, I've had my magnesium checked and it's normal, well, what's normal? Or like vitamin D, it's in the normal range. It's 20 to 100, let's say. Well, do I want to be in a normal range, 20 to 100, or do I want to be in an optimal range? Well, I want to be in an optimal range. In this pandemic, they've showed that patients that have had uh, their vitamin D between 50 and 80 uh, do much better, don't get as serious. So what's the optimal levels of each of this? In the magnesium, I test RBC magnesium, not just what's circulating, yet what's getting into something. So those are some of the examples that I can give you. And then curcumin, what do you like for curcumin? So I actually like a product by Zymogen called Curcuplex 95. Um, you know, it, one of the downsides of curcumin is the difficult in absorption. And absorption is everything. If you swallow something and it doesn't get in, it doesn't work. And so I've had very good success with that particular brand of curcumin um, in combination with the, the fish oil, as I mentioned, in, in patients to actually help lower that inflammation. You know, curcumin is one of the most potent natural anti-inflammatories that we know of. And it's really quite, um, I think, important, again, when we look at bioavailability, is to find brands that actually do get absorbed and we can, you know, my experience says it does get absorbed. You know, they have studies to show that it does, you know, have superior bioavailability. And there are other brands too, but I found that that particular one is, is the one that does I Does it like. have a certain number of milligrams to it? Do you yeah, remember I don't the top of your head? Remember. Um, I don't know why the 95. I think I know actually because I take it. So I'm pretty sure it's uh, 500 milligrams per dose three times a day. That's right. And that's normally what I recommend too. And the other interesting thing about the products that you look out there, it has other ingredients in it which helps both the bioavailability and the absorption without the side effects. So that's another important thing to know that, you know, what are the potential side effects? Yet that's absolutely what I normally use with that too. So those are probably two of the greatest things that you can use for chronic inflammation. And there's others. My patients in the genetic profile that may be MTHFR deficient, methyl tetrahydrofolic reductase deficient, they usually have a sulfur issue in sulfation. It also means that they may need a special kind of sulfate, and especially as you reduce inflammation. So you'll hear about knees. You'll hear MSM with glucosamine and chondroitin, right? Well, glucosamine and chondroitin is pretty standard, 1,200 to 1,500 milligrams a day. In most of the products, MSM is very limited, 500, maybe 1,000 milligrams. However, to get that anti-inflammatory effect, it needs to be 2,000, 3,000 milligrams or more. And that's where you work with your physician or your healthcare provider 
especially a functional medicine provider, to say, well, how much do I need? And that's how it all works. And there again, you take the knee, you've got chronic osteoarthritis, and they've done their arthroscopic stuff, and it's still bothering you. Well, how do you reduce the inflammation? Well, we might use special wraps, we might use acupuncture, we might use the creams, we might do a whole bunch of other things combined with it. And, and acupressure, by the way, are points that aren't often taught and need to be taught because it's a simpler way than acu, acu um, what am I trying to say? Acupuncture. Acupuncture itself. Right, there you go. <laughs> so anyways, other things. Anything else that you want so to mention? You mentioned arthritis. Um, one of the, the things that we've had success with is a combination of zinc, manganese, and copper. Yeah. Um, and what they do in the body is they are necessary for an enzyme called superoxide dismutase to function. SOD is what gets into the joint and scavenges free radicals and, and neutralizes them. And so if you don't have enough zinc, manganese, or copper, you could be low in SOD function, which could predispose to arthritis. The other thing in arthritis, it's been shown that um, boron deficiency is a major contributor to all forms of arthritis. And so, you know, it, it, these are, you know, nutrients that our bodies need that are associated with these chronic conditions. And in, sadly, in conventional medicine, we're not looking at them. And they, they go a long way to helping, you know, it, you know I, it's just amazing to me to see the results that we get when we pay attention to these cofactors and, and nutrients that the body needs. You know, that boron factor is really interesting until Jean introduced that to me. I had a number of very serious skin conditions from scleroderma to psoriasis to whatever. And when he said about the boron deficiency and I tested them, they virtually had none. So putting them on boron with low-dose naltrexone, it has helped most of my patients. Some have actually gotten cures, meaning it's gone and it's been gone for over one to two years. And others, the, the improvement that they've gotten. So boron is extremely important with that too. You know, the other interesting thing about life and balance too is we're, all, we're around all these EMFs now, right? These cameras and everything else too, is what do we need to do to balance our electrical beam, our electromagnetic forces? Well, Dr. Steve Sinatra, who I can mention here, talks about the grounding mat. And for many of my patients that had sleep disorders for years, putting them on grounding mats or grounding sheets have made a huge difference. There are so many different things out there that are available that most patients don't know about. I think almost every patient would do well with a massage. Mm. You know, a person who, a good massage therapist who knows how to handle the, the different things that are related to it. One of the things I did with several of my patients with chronic pain was taught them how to laugh and did laughter therapy. Now, we're sort of all smiling here right now, but you really do down laughter therapy and see how it is. Because most of us have been brought up in some way, well, that's, you know, you shouldn't be laughing like that. No, that's ridiculous, or that's silly, or that's whatever. That's the thought process again. Yet people who laugh generally feel better, don't we? Right, Sam? Right. Absolutely. We feel better. <laughs> so all of these things are really, really important. Can I interject? You mentioned the grounding. Yes. And, and the mats. But every person has the ability to expose their skin to the earth, which yes. is the actual grounding. It doesn't cost anything other than your time. 
And you know that's one thing that we can recommend that everybody do, whether you're in chronic pain, but it, it has been shown scientifically to improve our blood and circulation in, in enormous ways. Um, and so just taking your shoes off and walking in the earth. I mean, we all, how do you feel when you go to the beach and you're able to spend some time connecting with the earth? Great. Mm -hmm. and, and getting out into nature. I mean, it, it, and appreciating your surroundings at the same time. So taking your shoes off and going out walking um, in nature um, is, is something that doesn't cost a dime and yet can have tremendous beneficial effect. And, and the other thing that I teach many of my patients is to be a two-year-old in their feelings. And they say, what do you mean? You want me to be a two-year-old? Well, I might, because a two-year-old, you're a little freer. You're you know, out there and investigating and doing all the different things. But it's to have your feelings. I've had more patients get better and healthier by learning to reconnect with their feelings. Well, and what are those feelings? Well, if you're sad, go ahead and cry. If you're angry, have a two-minute temper tantrum. And if you're scared, what does a two-year-old, a healthy two-year-old normally do? They get comfort and support. Most human beings with chronic illnesses, besides what's going on, don't do one or three or all three of these things. We don't have our feelings. And Alexander Lowen, who was somebody I studied with in bioenergetics, talked about that if you have any feeling about an event that's lasted longer than two minutes, except for love, that it's old stuff being triggered that you haven't dealt with. Most men, be a man, don't cry, right? And women can have their crying, but not their anger. So when you do this, you increase, we can talk about when we, if we ever get into low-dose naltrexone, about the endorphins and caffelins and metencaphalins and what it does and how that helps our, our pain centers to reduce it so there's less pain. So it's such an interesting, you know, Charlotte's Web, if you will out there and I hope that our listeners will you know say well what do I need it's like someone who's depressed do they really need a medication or do they just need to stop depressing what they need and will that change it and I can tell you that for many of my patients it does that's one of the things that absolutely does because the chemical parameters are fine and we understand them However, most success I've had with depression as an example is stop depressing what you need and stop being angry with yourself. And that's what a lot of depression is. Now, I'm making it sort of simple, it's not easy. However, it's right there in front of us. All we need to look at it and then be connected with it. So, did that answer any part of your question? Yeah, no, that was great. And I think. The most actionable thing, and this is a little self-serving, but people by now have listened to us. They know that it isn't. The most actionable thing I think people can do is seek out help that really cares about them, whether it's functional medicine or not. You know, we recommend functional medicine because we think it's it's a great new wave and, and it brings a lot of hope and, and outside thinking. But find a practitioner that you can trust and that's willing to work with you on a one-on-one -on -one basis. And I think in closing, you know, how can people learn more about what you guys do, you specifically, or if they live in Texas or California, what would you recommend that somebody do? Well, first, the Institute of Functional Medicine does have references for those physicians and other practitioners that have uh, gone through their coursework and graduated and become fellows, that's one. The other thing is my experience is that the modern naturopathic physicians are really more functional in nature. 
Many chiropractors are more functional, yet they have a tremendous limitation as compared to a naturopathic physician or a medical physician or an osteopathic physician that is functionally trained. And the other way to do it is simply to call and ask if they are a functional practitioner. And that's, that's how I would look at it, especially if you're in Texas in different areas, I would look for that. And ask your friends. That's another way too. Have you, does your physician listen to you? Do, have they do the different things? Do they offer these different modalities to you? Do they look at each of those areas? And I've given you five of the big areas that they need to look at. Every functional medicine practitioner, whether they are a compounding pharmacist, a naturopathic physician, or an osteopathic or an allopathic physician, will look at those five things. Yeah, I. Um one of the resources that I would recommend, in addition to the IFM website um, that you can find a practitioner on, is compounding pharmacy has expanded throughout the last few decades. And I have colleagues in every state um, that work with practitioners, and they know the practitioners out there. And so you can actually go to a compounding pharmacy and ask for a recommendation for practitioners that might be more in tune with functional or alternative medicine, or even have an expertise in areas uh, of personalized medicine for their specific needs. You know, compounding in and of itself is personalized medicine. Functional medicine is personalized medicine. And I think that, you know, if we're gonna have a chance to be healthy as a population, we're gonna wanna start looking at the person instead of putting everybody together and saying one size fits all. And the other, you know, ending thought I have is, you know, they, we all kind of feel as though we have this uh, predetermined, uh, whether it's genetics or whatever, we have learned through our study of genetics that whether a gene gets expressed or not is more relevant to the environment in which it's exposed than the genetic presence itself. So the environment is really where it's at. No, in the ending, there's one thing that I, I like to, I, I give to the residents. Gene and I both teach family medicine residents as well, and I give them an acronym called BG SHINED. Dr. Tattlebaum was one who does a lot with chronic fatigue syndrome, start with SHINE, and I sort of expanded it. I would like every physician and every patient to say, is this being covered by my practitioner? B for me in, in, um, in, in general, in BG SHINED, is do you have a balance in life? We've talked about that, right? How are you breathing is an example too. G is, are they looking at your gut and your genetics? Because we now know how important the microbiome with the gut and the brain connection is. How are you doing with S, sleep? Sleep, spiritual, sexual, all of those are really important. H, hormones. Need to look at hormones and everyone, and then we as practitioners also look at heavy metal possibilities, the allergies and histamine response. I, the big one we've been talking about, inflammation, and almost every inflammatory process has a co-infection. So are we looking at each of those along with the immune system, right? And then N is the nutrition that we talked about. Nutrition, we look at neurotransmitters, we look at uh, nutrigenomics, and then E is emotions and exercise. How many of us do daily exercise that are really important? How many of us really exercise our emotions? 
and we do look at those environmental factors. I had one family as a quick example that lived under high power tension lines. They all had lines, but they all continued to be sick, and it wasn't because of limes. It was because of the high power tension line, and they continued to be sick until they moved. So that's just another example. And then D, and we haven't talked about yet, is how do we detoxify from all these different pollutants that we get? So that's what I'd have your listeners say, is the doctor covering all these things for me and more? Thank you. Well, with that being said, Dr. P, we always appreciate learning from you. And we hope we can have you on one more time here in the thank future. You. Thank you. And uh, I know our listeners are going to reflect that. And thank you both. Thanks, Dad. Thank you. Thank you. It was fun.